This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see all your faces here today. So good to be in God's house. Uh, Like Dave said, we were away for two weeks visiting some of our kingdom partners And some of those partners were people that we gave to over the last couple of years to plant churches. And I bring back just a short report that one of the churches we gave to opened up uh, in 2020. I don't need to remind any of you what kind of a great year that was for church planting, an excellent year. (laughs) And our friend uh, Vincenzo Abadi felt the Lord. He was a lawyer by trade. His wife is an architect. And they felt the Lord calling them to plant this church. And um, I'm happy to say that when we arrived two Sundays ago, the church was jammed. People that had given their heart to Jesus, old people, they had, they, listen, they baptized somebody a couple of weeks ago who was 86 years old, gave her heart to the Lord for the very first time. Uh, the, the following Sunday, we were in a church in Bologna in the north of Italy, and um, I preached with the translator, which I mean, I should never do that because then I'm double the length that I normally am. And you can feel sorry for all the Italian people that had to listen to that. Uh, But at the end of the service, 17 people came, gave their hearts to Jesus for the very first time. What was wild about this, though, like I thought I had misheard the translation. Like people were up at the front and I was like, well, they just must be up there because they want somebody to pray for them. What was wild about it is when you went and talked to people, couples, like husbands and wives, who just decided on Saturday night, life isn't really working out for us. Secularism can only take us so far. Maybe we'll try out church. Both of them saying yes to Jesus on a Sunday morning. Now, now Italy is a country, Europe as a whole, is, is a post-post-post-Christian continent. I mean, the cathedrals are kept alive now because of tourism, because we pay two or five or 17 euros to go and look at these beautiful edifices. But God is still on the move there. And I, I, listen, I, had, I, I came home having so much hope for Canada. I don't care what the sociologists tell us that we're post-Christian. Who cares? God is, not, listen, God is not afraid of a post-Christian nation. He is a God who wakes people up in the middle of the night and says, you know what? You need to know Jesus. And, and people are coming to Jesus and not just praying a magic Jesus prayer. They're making Jesus Lord of their life. This is the kingdom of God. And so um, I have all kinds of excitement that God is on the move. I was contemplating, though, um, as I sat in some of these big cathedrals last week, about how at one time in Europe, most of the population, the first century church, was focused on making God Lord, His glory being uh, shown throughout the world. I was thinking about how the first century church really was a church focused on the Missio Dei of God, the movement of God. We talk, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about how Missio Dei really means the mission of God, what's God's mission. And how for, for centuries, uh, the, the first century church led us. And now you sit in these cathedrals that are really beautiful, beautiful pictures about God, and yet the people there have become like the wallpaper just in the building. And um, I was asking myself things like, how did this happen? How do we go from a thriving first century church to a church that stays alive because of tourism? And um, I, I was thinking about how oftentimes when we lose the mission of God, when we lose that impetus in our lives, 
we actually lose out on, on the engine that God wants to uh, have move us. And so I was thinking about our theme verse for this uh, series, John 20, 21. It says again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Real, it's, this is a really important part of this mission of God that God's called you to do it in peace, not with anxiety. Like, I don't know, I can't say the right things. I'm going to say all the right. No, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm ascending you. And so uh, we've talked about this over the last number of weeks, that God actually chose you. That it is not by accident that you are here. He actually has a plan for you. The book of Acts tells us that he knows the times and the locations that we were to be born. The fact that we are living right now in Calgary, Alberta, the neighborhood you live in, the street you live in, is, is a calling from God. The place you work is not by accident. Um, God actually chose you and wants to send you. But I want you to know that God doesn't just call us as slaves. So, so there could be a tendency. And so today I, I want to talk about the balancing act of being called. God wants to work in me and he wants to work through me. The out of balance message when we talk about Missio Day is that God just wants to like get a move on. God just wants you to do stuff for him. He only, uh, like similar to... Um, I don't know if your children have ever had this sentiment before, but like, I think you just had us so that you would have people to do chores. My children have tried that one on me before. Let's just say it didn't end very nicely. Well, it did end nicely. They're still here today, but nicely in my heart is what I mean. But sometimes we think of God as like, oh, you just had me to do like evangelism. That's the only reason you wanted me. When in fact, this is not true at all. And there's this great scripture. What's amazing about the scriptures, I'm, I'm going to say this to you almost every week. The scriptures are so amazing because they teach us how to live in balance. And this is actually why we need to throw ourselves into the learning and studying of scripture. There's this uh, great scripture in Ephesians that teaches us about this how God wants to work in us, and then he wants to work through us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You are both a recipient of God's goodness and a participant in what God wants to do through other people. Okay, so let's read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so first... I want to talk about the mission of God is to you. We cannot get to the mission of God working through us until we get to the to us. And these verses, we start with what I call the severity of the problem. The first 
verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 are probably not life verses for anybody. <laughs> like, probably none of you have any of these tacked up on your refrigerator. Not like ones that you put a fancy Instagram background on and, like, bless the world with your mad, uh, I don't know, your mad Canva skills. Um, these, these are... Um, these are important verses, though, to us, because if we don't understand the severity of our own problems as people, we will never understand why God wants to use us. If we don't understand the severity of our own sin, then we'll never understand why we had to be saved in the first place. Um, you see, the thing is, these verses are not really, um, they're not exactly like pump you up verses either. Um, Here's what I was thinking. If we really do believe in a transcendent God, a God who is bigger than us, we could assume that he's going to say a few things to us that we're going to go, huh? Like some things that we don't quite understand that don't quite sit well with us because he's bigger than us. Listen, if the God you serve agrees with everything you believe, I would suggest that you're not serving God, you're serving someone who looks like you. Ephesians chapter 2 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, this smacks against every part of self-help culture, particularly in North America, that says, you know what? You're pretty good. You're pretty good. You're beautiful. There's no one else like you. You get a trophy for just coming. Even if you just come for the trophy day, here's a trophy for you. Uh, the, the Bible actually pushes against that and doesn't say you're pretty good and you need a little bit of Jesus to make you better. The Bible says you were dead, De dead, not terminally ill, not like, like, not like, I don't know, you should go to prison for some time. No, you were dead. Dead is a lot different than not too good. There's no real other way for me to explain that you were dead except for to say you're, you were dead. This is what the Bible says. You're, you're not living or breathing. And this is what the Bible says all of us were. This is why there's no ranking. In, there should be no ranking in Christian churches. There should be no like, wow, that person really needs Jesus. No, the Bible says that we were all dead. Now, this smacks against a lot of our sensibilities because you think about your neighbors who are quite nice. And you think, well, they certainly couldn't be dead. They just maybe, maybe if they just came to church like once every six weeks, it would be good for them. The Bible says that without Jesus, that we're dead. And um, we actually, this, this requires that we actually admit our absolute need for Christ. In Christianity, Jesus cannot just be an add-on. This is why nominal Christianity will never do. And this is why we keep returning. By the way, this is why we have communion over and over and over again. We don't do that because of ritualistic, uh, we don't believe in ritualistic magic. We actually remember the body and blood of Jesus because it reminds us that without Jesus' sacrifice, we were dead. Let me just give this little plug. This Wednesday night is our revive night, 7 o'clock. We're going to have a time of worship, a time of communion, a time of laying on of hands and being prayed for. If you um, are here, and Wednesday night, you don't have plans. I, I want to encourage you to be there. There's something powerful about taking the body and the blood of Jesus together symbolically. Um, the thing about this is that we have to keep coming back to this 
Because as humans, you know what we do? We are like self-improve. All of you all are self-improvement gurus. And you know, it tells us this, Forbes tells us this, because we spend billions of dollars on improving ourselves. And we see a modicum of improvement, and we're like, I'm not too bad. Do you know why we watch real crime dramas? I know none of you in here do. But for your neighbor that does, do you know why they watch real crime dramas? So you feel better about yourself. You're like, I'm pretty good. I haven't been a serial killer lately. I haven't like covered up my O.J. Simpson gloves anywhere. I'm pretty good. That's why we love things like that. That's why we love watching weird stuff like that, because it makes us feel better about ourselves. That's why we watch all those cop shows. Like, if you were to really live in a world where all the cop shows are, I know we have a lot of law enforcement here, they, they would know that this is not, there's not 9,000 murders happening in Calgary. Like, you're, you're, do you remember that? This is going to be a throwback. This is going to tell you how old I am. Remember that show, Murder, She Wrote, but an Angela Lansbury was in it? That woman, okay, if you're young, just go to sleep right now for a second. We need to discuss this. That woman lived in a city of like 500 people, and every week someone was being murdered. And it was always a different person being, uh, who was the murderer. I mean, at some point, after season 10, th that was a very decrepit, I mean, if you didn't need Jesus, th that show should have led us all to Jesus. Wow. Okay, but the point being, we're always trying to scuttle out of our own problems. And this is why there's gossip, by the way. There's always, go people don't gossip because they gossip because you're trying to make yourself feel better about the inadequacies that you have. The Bible doesn't allow us to do that, though. It just keeps saying, no, all of us were dead in our transgressions. We were dead without Jesus. And this, this allows us not to feel any complex, like, I'm so much more spiritual, because dead is dead. It don't matter if you're a billionaire, a millionaire, you had the, if you're dead in a coffin next to somebody who experienced homelessness all your life, you're exactly the same, dead. And this is where it puts us. This is where the gospel message puts us, right at the foot of deadness. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Okay, this is an interesting, there's some interesting phrases in this section this part when it says where you followed, um, it, it probably could be translated better when you were following the age of the world or the culture of the world. The idea is that culture is not neutral. Culture is always taking us somewhere. And if you just, you know when you get in a river, this summer I was speaking at a camp and there was a little river and it was like so hot. And so I got in the river and the river would take you further than you wanted to go. This, it, culture is similar to this. And it says that you were following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Greek word they use here is the word ion. And now ion does have the idea of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, but it also was a Greek god at the time. People were following this god ion. And the, the point Paul is trying to make here is that when you were dead in your sins, you were just following the ways of the, like just wherever the world took you, that's where you were going to go. You were following other gods, and it led to emptiness. Led to emptiness. And um, this is hard. In the New Living Translation, it says, uh, when you were following the age of the world, obeying the devil. And, you know, in our culture, oftentimes when we think about the devil, we go to uh, Halloween, and we think of, like, horror movies. And I believe the devil is a real being. But the term devil here is actually a, uh, it's a term, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a verb that means adversary. 
you are following the adversary, anything that is adversarial to God. In fact, this, this is what Paul's saying. Listen, when you were dead in your sins, you were carried by the culture, and you were following anything that sets itself up against God. The weird thing is, is that oftentimes you can be your own adversary. You ever found that? Like you are your own worst enemy? Like some of us don't need the, most of us don't need the devil in our backyard. We are our own worst nightmare. And this is what the scripture tells us, that before Jesus, we were dead. And this kind of goes against um, the North American church that is rah, rah, rah. Like just come to church and get a pep talk and you can go out. But you know what's funny about Jesus? When he would speak particularly to church people, people didn't often, I, w- I would challenge you to do this in the, in the New Testament. Just scan your way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. People didn't come away going, yeah, yeah. Most people came away going, mm. ouch. And I would suggest that if we're going to be people that follow the mission of God, if we're going to be people that are scattered all throughout the world, that we have to ha- continually come back to these ouch moments that say, God, okay, God, I was dead in my, transition, uh, my transgressions, my sin. You don't have to convince a two-year-old that there's sin. You know, we could take a field trip right now down to the two-year-old classroom. God bless all the teachers who teach all the many children down there. If you're a teacher here, I am hello clapping. You don't have to convince, you don't, one of those teachers, you wouldn't have to convince them because they're down there saying mine and hitting. I know not your children, somebody else's children. Nobody in the balcony. Your children are all lovely. The balcony children are lovely. It's it's the floor, no. Uh, (laughs) Two-year-olds know this. Two-year-olds know this. We tend to forget because we can put on a veneer. We're good at put. listen, uh, people don't just put on costumes at Halloween. We're good at putting on costumes all year round. Pretending that we were forget, and then we forget, we so easily forget that we were once dead. And it says, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The, The translation there really is the word rebellious. It's not so much, Paul is not just saying, like, you, you didn't follow rule 343, God's going to throw a lightning bolt at you. That's not what he's saying there. He's saying, all of us, in some way, are rebellious towards God. And that just means that we're trying to pull God off the throne and put ourselves on the throne and say, look who's in charge now. It's me. This is our human nature. And then verse 3 says, all of us, again, coming back to, it's not just some of us. It's not like they're really bad ones. It's not people from bad backgrounds. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. There's a life verse for you. Oh, nobody wants to talk about wrath anymore. It's very sad to me. Not, not really. But people will say to me, oh, Pastor Jess, like, I mean, just keep it like God is love. And of course, God is love. But, you, but the full scope of love must have justice attached to it, too. You, you can't have love without justice. And I, listen, those of you that are parents or have loved something deeply know that this is true. Anybody have mama bear claws that you pretend don't come out very often? But you know, your child comes home and tells you they've been being bullied at school. Tell me that person's name. Where do they live? I will create a real crime documentary right now. (laughs) We understand this, but when it comes to God, 
we're uncomfortable with it because we're worried it's directed at us. And this scripture actually tells us that we were, all of us, all of us, it's not just some of us, it's not, it's all of us were deserving of wrath. God is loving and kind, but he is filled with justice. The reason we love watching movies, like with Liam Neeson and Denzel Washington, and I'm aging myself again, and Jason Bourne, like, going around, it's because there's justice in it. We just think that they're going to get all the bad guys and get them all gone, and we're going to end the day. I could do it if I was... The point being that we, we actually have to come back to having a real experience with who we were. We, we can't engage in the missio day of God if we forget that we were once dead in our sins. If we forget that, what happens is we, we get this truncated, holier-than-thou uh, kind of gospel that beats people over the head. And this is where people get, I don't want any Bible thumper telling me. I'm, I'm done. Because we've forgotten who we once were. When you remember you were a beggar begging for bread, changes everything. Then the mission of God becomes really different. There's a story Jesus tells in Luke chapter 7 about the woman who's in, the, the sinful woman who breaks the jar of alabaster oil over him. And the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus says, no, 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 she was forgiven much. And then he says, uh, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I was always confused by that verse. Because I'd read it and think, well, I was probably 14 when I first read this verse. And I thought, well, I haven't done anything too bad said a few swears. Sorry, Mom. I like missed Bible reading some days, but I'm not that bad, so I guess I just am, I guess I just been forgiven little. I didn't theologically understand what the Bible told us about ourselves, that all of us, all of us were dead in our sins. All of us needed to be forgiven much. And all of us need to have this reconstituting all the time of God, I was dead and you made me alive. But that, that can't just happen from words. That actually has to be the spirit of God that reawakens that in our lives every day. This is where when you get up to read the scripture every day, you're not just reading words, you're saying, God, may it come alive in me again. Okay. So the significance that we talk about the severity of our problem, we're all dead. But then the scripture doesn't just leave us dead. It reminds us of the significance of our salvation. This is where, like, if you really have an encounter with how uh, the depravity of your own sin, verse 4 is like streams in a desert. It should read that way. It should read like, it should read like terrible, 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 the worst in the world, more and more terrible, and then relief. Let's read verse 4. It says, but because of his great love for us, not because he thought you were amazing, or like you could do something, or because he thought you'd be a great, I don't know, bringer of somebody to, at the movies, or because he thought, no, not for any of those reasons, but because he loved us, because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Listen, the last time I checked, dead people can't do anything. They're unable to do anything for themselves. And God saw you dead in your transgressions and said, I love you. And I'm going to do all the work. It's by grace you've been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And there's a whole bunch we could talk about here. That God actually has you. You're not just made alive. You're made to rule. And this brings us back to our first week of Missio Day where we talked about the purpose of God. The scripture is so cool. Okay, so let me breathe for a minute. Okay, in the first week, we talked about how Genesis 1 and 2 remind us that we are to scatter. This is God's will for us, that we're to grow his kingdom, and then we're to rule his kingdom, that we're to have dominion. That's the word of the Lord to us. Ephesians 2 reminds us of that as well, that God placed us in heavenly realms with Jesus. And this is why we can have great confidence. Like, like Christian people should be able to square their shoulders back and say, not because of who I am, but because my God loves me. This is where our identity is rooted in Jesus. Your, your confidence is not found in your upbringing or your parents or the school you went to or the amount of money you have. Your confidence is rooted in this, that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Think about that for a minute. You are seated with Jesus. And this isn't when you die, by the way. Theologically, we, don't, we actually believe that right now in the spirit realm, that we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. <sighs> this should change your Monday. You are not just going as an undercaffeinated person to work. Since leaving Italy, I have become severely undercaffeinated. I am not just here as an undercaffeinated pastor. <sighs> I'm here as somebody who's been seated in heavenly places with Jesus. This is why you can walk with wisdom, man or woman of God. This is why you're not just stuck in the problems you are, man or woman of God. This is why you can, you, you, you know when you get above your problems, like you know when you, remember when you were learning to drive and they told you aim high in steering? Does everybody remember that from their driving lessons? And it, basically, like don't look straight down at your feet because you'll crash the car. Look up ahead. And when you go up in a tower, you can see a whole city and problems don't seem that... You're seated in heavenly places. You are not stuck. Your marriage might be having troubles right now, but you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are not stuck. Your finances might be in trouble right now, but you are not stuck. You are seated in heavenly places. This is good news for someone that was dead a few minutes ago. But can you see that if we don't remember that we were dead, we, we can't see how awesome this was. Like, I was dead a few minutes ago, and now I'm seated in heavenly places. And this should not make us arrogant. This should humble us. Who am I? I was in a coffin, or if you were cremated, you were just in a little jar, and now you're alive. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace. Like, okay, so here's the deal with this. We just keep learning about the grace of God. I, I used to think it was kind of one and done, like, oh, I'm a Christian already. I know the grace of God. No, 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 we keep learning about the grace of God. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. Paul keeps reminding us because we all want to take the glory for all the things. We want to get all the trophies, all the accolades, no. He says, not you. You didn't do anything. You were dead. But God loved you so much that he seated you in heavenly places with Jesus. It's a gift of God, not by works. Okay. So now this is where Paul, he talks about, the, like some of us, I'm believing today, some of us are going to have a re-encounter with the Lord in our salvation. Some of you are here today and you've never made a decision to say yes to Jesus. Today's your day. You're dead right now. 
but you're going to say yes to Jesus and he's going to make you alive. This is the amazing thing about our God. He doesn't pick favorites. Some of us are going to re-experience the joy of our salvation today. And then, but then what's cool is that um, he, God does, doesn't save you from something. He doesn't just save you from a life of deaddom. He saves you for something. And this is where we get to be on mission with God. Um, and this brings us to the crux of this message, the importance of balance. Um, I, I have two volunteers who are coming today. Yeah, they're they voluntolds, I guess. <laughs> they're not voluntolds. They, they wanted to, Logan and Hannah. I'd like you to just cheer for both of them because you have to come carry out. Okay. Okay. So in some ways, God working in us and then through us or to us and through us is a little bit like this rope. If, if we get, um, and, and there is importance in this. Um, pull, okay, so now they're going to pull it and we're going to see who's stronger. <laughs> okay, 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 yep, 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 yep. I, I believe Hannah won, yes? Hannah won, yeah, okay. Okay. If we only live in God working to us, like in our hearts, and we learn that God loves us, and he's got, this uh, will make us stagnant. Because if all God does is you just have like a party, and God like speaks to you, and you go in your prayer closet, and God does amazing things to you, what will happen is we'll become unbalanced. So Logan, pretend to hold it a little bit, and then you're going to hold it really strong. What happens is we end up falling. But if all we do is God working through us, like we just get up in the morning, what can I do for you, God? Can I do, I'm going to hand out a thousand hand uh, door knockers. If, you, if that, the Lord puts that on your heart, go ahead and do that. But if all we do is that, if all we do is that, that becomes problematic too because we burn out. So do you see that, that we have to hold in holy balance this idea of God working to us and God working through us, which is why we need times of refreshing where we say, God, I need you to come and speak to me. And, and, and then we also need times where we get ourselves in motion and we say, God, you prepared, you didn't seat me in heavenly realms so I can just sit there and be an armchair quarterback. That's what some of us are right now. Though. We're seated in heavenly places with the Lord. He seated us up there and we're up there going, well, it's a great day to be, like we're doing nothing. Eating chips in the spirit. Getting stagnant and you know that girl that said that meme that went around and said we're just going to get all fat and sassy? Some of you, that's what you're doing. You're just sitting around. And God says, no, 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 I placed you in heavenly realms to rule, to have dominion. Now, we don't rule with an iron fist. We rule our, our who is our leader? Jesus. And how did Jesus rule? As a servant. So we should never be worried that we're going to like, oh... This is where it frightens me when Christians are angry and mad and trying to rule with an iron fist and with political might. Never the way of Jesus. We're seated in heavenly realms so that we can rule and have dominion and rule like Jesus. Thanks, guys, for your help. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Some of us when we talk about Missio Day, we've had a lot of God working in us.
and if we're honest, we're stagnant. Like we've had good encounters with the Lord. Perhaps you've had moments uh, when you read your Bible, God like really speaks to you, and maybe even for some of us, tears still come easily because we're just we're so aware that God saved us, and that's such a beautiful thing. But if we don't get moving with that, if we don't get on the mission of God with that, we become stagnant. If the Lord hasn't asked you to do something that scares you recently, maybe we're not living by the amount of faith God wants us to live by. All of us were called to do something. Now, others of us here, you're busy beavers. It is hard for you to even think about, like even sitting in church for an hour and a half feels like a gift you're giving to God. (laughs) You're sitting down for this long. And you pray every single week that I will be short. And I disappoint you every week. <laughs> Some of us, we, can't, we, we, we actually equate our salvation with what we've done for God. We actually need to live in this section a little bit more. We need God to come and visit us again. Point being, this tension, this holy tension is something we will live with for the rest of our lives. Until Jesus comes to get us. You know, I've had seasons in my life where I absolutely define myself by what I did for Jesus. And there becomes a hollowness to that. I mean, I'm, listen, this week the warming center opens up and um, we need about 40 more volunteers. By the way, if you're here and you, uh, you know, you have a, just even a two hour window somewhere between November 1st and April, the end of April, or the beginning of April, we would love to have you volunteer. And you can just sign up simply by going on our website and emailing us. So we are, we are going to be a church that does things for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Many of you have ministries outside of this church. Wonderful. Many of you lead small groups. Wonderful. But if we do that at the expense of actually spending time and knowing God, then all of our movement is just bluster. And at the end of the day, we know from Matthew 25 that Jesus will often say, hey, Jesus, I did all these things for you. And he says, I didn't even know you. My sense as I was praying this morning is that most of us here need to re-encounter who God is, re-encounter our salvation. Because when you encounter the beauty of your salvation, the severity of the problem, the fact that God raised you from the dead, all of us, we remember that. It puts our mission in balance. It allows us to be on mission without it burning us out. It allows us to do the things for God, not because we're trying to please God, because we're so grateful for what God's done. I just ask you to close your eyes just for a minute. I want to call you just to spend a minute with Jesus. like right here in this place I believe that God wants to speak to you some of you have maybe never encountered the divine love of God (laughs) maybe you're here and like the scripture talked about you recognize yeah I am dead in my sins and I need to be resurrected I believe today's your day that the resurrection power of God that has made so many of us come from dead to life is here today. The Bible says that Jesus knocks at the door of our heart and he's wanting us to invite him to come in. 
Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never invited him to make you, to bring you from death to life. If that's you this morning, I would like to pray for you. I'm just going to ask, just, I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just as a show of saying, yeah, that's me. I'm praying that God's going to bring me from death to life. I know this takes so much courage, but I do know this, that God has a plan for your life. Don't hold off. Some of you waited, you're just saying, I'll wait another week. Another week goes by, you say, I'll wait another week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we say yes to Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Would there be anybody here today? Yeah, yep, all over the place, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of people saying yes to Jesus today. Yeah. So Jesus, we thank you for your ability to bring us from death to life. Lord, those of us that are dead in our sins, in our transgressions, today I pray that as we say yes to you, that you would move us supernaturally from death to life, that you would seat us in heavenly realms with you. If you're here and you've never prayed this before or you haven't prayed in a long time, I, I'm just going to encourage you to say to repeat this prayer after me. We don't believe there is anything in this prayer that is magical, but we do believe Romans 9 and 10 that says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. So we pray this prayer together. Can we just, for the sake of people on your left and your right, can you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you for bringing me from death to life. I make you now the Lord of my life. I turn from my other ways. I ask that you would help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So some of you are here and you're Christians. I, I just believe that some of us are here and we need actually a divine encounter, a fresh encounter about our salvation, about the depravity of our condition. We actually need God to remind us of that. If that's you this morning, can you just with an upraised hand, we're, we're just going to pray together that God's going to re-encounter us today. There'd be anybody that would say, yeah, I need, a, I need a fresh encounter. Yeah, so Jesus, we just thank you that you are here in this place, that you are encountering us, that you are causing us to experience you in a new way. I pray that the, uh, the heart, our heart and our mind, God, would come in line with your word, that we would remember that we are a people who need you, that we are in desperate need of you. God, show up today in our lives. May we know you in a new, powerful, and fresh way. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you'd be waking people up tonight in their dreams. Would you come and visit us? God, we don't want to just have nominal Christianity so we become part of the wallpaper. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection, God. I, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, quicken our minds now to hear from you. Quicken our spirits to hear from you. In Jesus' name, we believe that God is a God who still speaks to us who encounters us. And I believe that this week, as you go throughout your week, that God is going to encounter many of you in powerful ways. I do believe that the book of Joel, that we're living in the days of the book of Joel, that says your young men will dream dreams. Your, your young women will get up and prophesy. 
I, I believe that God is going to encounter us in ways in these days like we could never imagine. And so I just, I want to encourage you to get ready. Sit on the edge of your seat, your spiritual seat, so to speak. God is about to show up in a powerful way. I, I, I really want to encourage you to come this Wednesday. I, I think God's going to do something extraordinary amongst us. We have childcare, and uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come now and Pastor Herman. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.